Hey guys, I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. It is great to be here with you recapping another week of Big 12 football. Be sure to leave in your comments, uh, leave us some questions on Periscope and Facebook Live. We'll get to them here coming up as we roll through the games from week eight in the conference. And as we are each and every week, we're brought to you by our good friends at mybookie.com with the promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, you get a 100% sign-up bonus right out of the gates. Our promo code BIG12, that helps us out. You can use it for college, NFL. You put in 100, you get 100. You put in 200, you get 200 right out of the gates. Uh, we have had a tough couple of weeks for the picks. I admit that. I will get to it. I don't hide from when we have a bad week, but we are still well above the 500 mark this year on our Big 12 picks against the spread. So we will get to all of that coming up here on a busy show. But mybookie.com, the promo code BIG12, you just can't beat it with those guys. They have been longtime partners of us, and it's because of you that they keep coming back. You're signing up, you're using our promo code, and that makes a, a big difference for the growth of this show and for the growth of, of the website at heartlandcollegesports.com. So I can't thank you guys enough for that. Uh, let's get into the games from yesterday and go in order here in the Big 12. And of course, if you're on the podcast, leave us a rating, review, subscribe. We've got free Heartland College Sports koozies for you. When you do that, leave a rating, leave a review, send me an email of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. West Virginia, Kansas State, um, 37-10 win in favor of the Mountaineers. Vegas knew something, all right? Vegas knew something we didn't. All week I said, geez, how are the Mountaineers three-point favorites in this thing? Not only three-point favorites, but by the time we got to kickoff, they were five-point favorites. Now, it's always easy to say hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Kansas State, freshman team, it's a long road trip. They've been feeling good. They were due for a game like this. But even if you told me West Virginia would have won this game, which would not have shocked me, I would have said, okay, what, 20-17, to 24-21? I would never have seen a 37-10 blowout like this in favor of the Mountaineers. But here's the deal for West Virginia. If they can play like that on offense, like what they did yesterday— Jared Daigie at quarterback had his most efficient game of the day uh, of the season. 301 passing yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. Letty Brown was over 100 yards. And you combine that offense with that defense for West Virginia, then this team is going to be the real deal, not just the rest of the way, but also, frankly, um, you know, going forward. This will be a dark horse team in 2021 if the defense, which I know we don't know what the Stills brothers are going to do. They're a big part of that defense, but still, Neil Brown has a defense he's got to be proud of, one of the best in the country, and you saw that on display yesterday. Deuce Vaughn, who has been tearing up Big 12 defenses, looked uh, like he was back in high school. I mean, he looked incredibly mediocre. He had 22 rushing yards, and it wasn't totally his fault, but he couldn't get the edge. Deuce Vaughn for Kansas State has been so used to getting the edge, and he couldn't get it all afternoon. Uh, but you saw this Kansas State team with a lot of freshmen on a long road trip coming off you know, a 4-0 start in Big 12 play. They were due, but I, I still did not see that one coming at all. Um, and, and frankly, if you're a West Virginia fan, you've got to be kicking yourself right now about how you lost the game to Texas Tech last week because Texas Tech is not good. And even though that game was tied late and then Sam James, of course, fumbles the ball, Tech returns it for the touchdown and ends up winning the game. 
if West Virginia is sitting at 4-1 and one right now in the Big 12, which they could be, and frankly, I think most West Virginia fans would admit they should be, um, they're, they're right in the hunt. They're at the top of the Big 12 standings right now if West Virginia wins that game last week against Texas Tech. So I, I know you can't go back and change outcomes, but, man, it has got to just be burning, be completely burning. Kansas State, or excuse me, West Virginia fans that you lost that game last week. And and that's going to be incredibly frustrating. So West Virginia is going to be a team that nobody should overlook going forward. And I don't think anybody will with that defense. But um, it was a combination of West Virginia coming back home after a tough loss, getting a big win, and Kansas State being due. Um, I, I do wonder if you saw some of the holes in that K-State team finally show up this week, and that could be exploited moving forward. The other thing that's tough for this young team, you know, it, it's kind of like when guys go from college to the NFL that first season. By the time they get to December, they're really worn down, right? Their bodies aren't used to 16-game grind schedules uh, in the NFL. From going high school to college, it's similar. Like, by the time they get to now this mid-November-ish in a couple of weeks territory, it's uncharted waters for many of them. Not in terms of the number of games necessarily, but in terms of the pounding that you take over the same number of games versus high school. So that is something to keep a close eye on here for Kansas State moving forward. But still, Chris Kleiman's the coach of the year in the Big 12, and that is not even up for debate uh, as of right now. So there was your first game of the day. And we've got your questions, your comments, of course, on uh, Facebook Live, on Periscope as well. Let's see here. Uh, what do we have? Two things that stood out to me about the game. Receivers caught the ball well. Only had five penalties for 28 yards. The defense has played well as well. Uh, will be tough to overcome. It's a tough four-game stretch. I think they go 2-2 two and two in that time. It's been a great season. That is Chris on Facebook Live. I assume you're talking about the Mountaineers, Chris, who came into this game with the most dropped passes in all of FBS. They were better. They caught well-thrown balls. Um, I don't have their schedule in front of me right now. But yes, they still have a great chance to make some noise in this conference. No doubt about it. And nobody should be overlooking them. Let's go to the next game of the day in the Big 12 yesterday. That would be Iowa State blasting Kansas 52-22. to All right. I'm going to go to my grave believing that Matt Campbell has some money on this game. All right. Matt Campbell had some money on Iowa State covering the 28-point spread. I told you guys I took KU plus 28 and a half, um, and it might be the worst pick I ever make this season. I made a lot of money betting against KU in every game this year, and I was feeling good. I admit I was feeling really good. You know why? Because KU is down 16 points with like seven minutes left, and then Brees Hall rips off a, a long touchdown run, so you know it's a 23-point game. And then in garbage time with two minutes left, Matt Campbell's got his backups in there. And the guys, you know, uh, with his backup quarterback, Hunter Decker, he's throwing the ball down the field on, on post routes and scoring touchdowns. Now, I don't blame the backups for getting some reps and playing the usual offense, okay? But, and I say this obviously very tongue-in-cheek. But with that being said, I was like, really, Matt Campbell, you can't just run out the damn clock here, please, and give me a cover on KU plus 28. I would have looked like a genius. The week would have been a lot better. Uh, but the fact that Iowa State got a cover of 28 and a half when they were up by 16 with seven minutes left is the most KU game ever. And you know what? Shame on me. Shame on me. It's an embarrassment that I bet KU, and I guess I deserve it in the end. But now for the game itself. Uh, how about Brees Hall? 
All right, Brees Hall, and, and I've said he's the best running back right now in the Big 12. Six games in, 900 yards, 11 touchdowns, almost seven yards per carry, 6.7 to be exact, 150 yards per game. And this came in from Pro Football Focus as well uh, after the game. He leads all of college football three games with 100 rushing yards after contact for Brees Hall. Uh, this dude is such a tough, tough runner, and it should not in any way uh, be overlooked at all. Uh, Iowa State was not great yesterday, okay? I mean, the final score, you say, oh, they won by 30, 52-22. Iowa State was not great. The passing game still needs work. The offensive line is is shaky in pass protection especially. KU tried to blitz. They actually got some pressure on Purdy, probably more than Iowa State expected. Um but that, of course, left guys wide open down the field. That being said, the pass protection still needs work. Uh, the play calling, I thought, for Iowa State was odd with how much success Brees Hall was having. Why Tom Manning wasn't just letting this guy pound the rock all day every day was weird to me. And then, of course, special teams was an issue. Special teams was absolutely an issue um, for, uh, for Iowa State yesterday. And I would say fire the special teams coach, but they don't have one. That's part of the problem. Iowa State does not have a special teams coach. They just don't. It's weird to me that they don't, but they don't. So you still have some major problems there for Iowa State where you know they can, they can make a Big 12 title game. There's no doubt about it. But it still is a team that has some flaws in it. And if they want to get to a Big 12 title and win a Big 12 title, that is going to need some work moving forward for the Iowa State Cyclones. There's no question about it. For KU, you did see some things that you had to be encouraged by. You know, Jalen Daniels, a quarterback, he's got a chance. If he gets some pieces around him and he keeps growing, he can be a nice player. I'm not saying he's going to be a first-team All-Big 12 guy, but he's got some nice wheels. He's a tough kid. He's a really tough kid. You see him, I mean, he almost had his head taken off a couple of times running the ball. But he's a tough kid. He's not afraid to take a hit. He, yes, he made some freshman mistakes, um, he's not incredibly accurate, but he's a nice player. He's a real nice player, and especially at, at Kansas, by Kansas' standards, he can definitely be somebody that grows with this program and in a couple of years may be able to help them win some big games. So I, I'm not sitting here and saying it's all uh, roses for Kansas. It's not. Anybody that watches this team knows that. And the fact that we would have talked about Kansas losing a game by 30 points and be like, yeah, there are some good things there, uh, tells you all you need to know about where the program is. But all that being said, I think you got to look at this game if you're a Kansas fan and say, well, some strides were made on both sides of the ball. And, and as, as actually the defense have been playing better than the offense, but I would say you saw more optimism in certain cases from the offense than you've seen in a long time, and the defense ended up getting torched. So uh, that's where we are in that game, Iowa State winning by 30. Then we've got TCU and Baylor, a TCU winning 33-23, to a game they led 30 to nothing. You've got to be encouraged by the TCU offense. You just have to be. Throwing early in, in downs was a nice change of pace instead of just, hey, let's run off the tackle because that's what TCU does in every first down, it seems like. Um, they were throwing early in downs. Uh, you had a situation where Zach Evans, by the way, highest recurring recruit ever at TCU, five-star running back, 30-yard touchdown run. He is going to be a stud at TCU if he keeps progressing. You're encouraged by that. You go up 30 to nothing, and clearly 
what was uh, an angry TCU team with the fact that they had lost a couple of tough games in conference play the last few weeks since that Texas win. And you saw a lot of those frustrations come out. TCU fans were upset by the second half because they're up 30 nothing, and then, you know, Baylor kind of makes it close-ish in the second half. That was TCU to me not doing what was working, right? I mean, they would, like, get down to the 30-yard line, get into the red zone, and then they would just stop doing what got them there, which was kind of weird. So the offense, which has been, of course, the Achilles heel at this program for a few years now, is, is by no means fixed or perfect. But with that being said, a rivalry game, you jump out to a 20-0 first quarter lead, a 30-0 first half lead, you got to be happy about that, right? you you, you got to be happy about that. For Baylor, boy, um, Zach writes on Facebook Live, Baylor's defense is not what it was last year. Not sure what happened to Charlie Brewer. Looks totally different from last year. Well, you're right. The defense is not what it was last year. Uh, but on top of that, Charlie Brewer doesn't look like the guy he was last year because, frankly, he's running for his life. His offensive line is terrible. Baylor's last in the Big 12 in, in yards per carry on the ground. They've got under three yards per carry this season. They were at three yards per carry coming into this game. Yesterday, they rushed for 2.3 yards per carry. Uh, they are not good on the offensive line, and that's a nice way to say it, that they're not good on the offensive line. They are bad on the offensive line. And also, it's, I'm not sure what Larry Fedora is doing on offense, to be honest. It's not clear to me what Larry Fedora is doing on offense uh, for this team and with this team. And I don't know if there's part of that that Charlie Brewer might be struggling with. But, you know, Baylor fans are calling for, uh, you know, backup quarterbacks to come into the game. Charlie Brewer's not your problem. He's not. The play calling's weird, and the offensive line is a joke. That's your problem. And, yes, the defense is not what it was last year, and Baylor won a lot of close games last year. Let's be honest. There's a lot of those games last year, and this is not a knock on Baylor in any way, shape, or form, okay? It's not. But sometimes you have those seasons where the balls bounce your way. And that is what Baylor had in 2019 with Matt Rule. It was a special season. It was a magical season. They almost pulled off a Big 12 title win in overtime and would have punched their ticket to a college football playoff had they pulled off that overtime win against uh, Oklahoma in Arlington last year. Sometimes everything clicks. All right? And... Now you're seeing a year with a new head coach in Dave Aranda, first-time head coach in a COVID-ridden season, stop and go, no full-off season. It is a tough, tough spot for him to be in. I'm not down on Dave Aranda five games into his career, whatever it is, four or five games into his career. I'm not going to do that. Uh, I see people on message boards posting about bring our Bryles back. Stop. All right? Stop. you got to understand that last year was special. This year there are problems. A lot of key players are gone. You've got a first-year head coach. A lot has changed. All right? And I understand why you're frustrated if you're a Baylor fan. I really do. But I, I, I do not think you can sit here and tell me that Dave Aranda is the problem. I, I just don't think you can do it. Pete, uh, the offensive line is going to be a big problem uh, next week against the Iowa State defense. Oh, it's going to – I mean, it, it could be really ugly. It could be really ugly with that Iowa State front seven going up against that Baylor offensive line. Charlie Brewer, he better start running now from Ames, okay? I mean, <laughs> I hate to say it, but that's how ugly it could be. Pete, they can't throw past 20 yards. That's on Periscope. I know. I know. I, I saw it firsthand yesterday like all of you did. 
So it's it's a not a good scene right now down in Waco, but I, I got to let Dave Aranda do his thing. I think this guy's going to be able to recruit. Baylor has given him every opportunity to succeed. They've been able to spend big time on a coaching staff. Let's see how these guys recruit. Let's see what they build and they develop, and we'll go from there in Waco, all right? But I, I do believe it's going to be a pretty ugly season uh, for the Baylor Bears. Uh, Tim writes, Baylor hasn't practiced in two weeks. Let's sit back and evaluate next year. Yeah, now, they were all full back at practice early last week. I remember reading that on Sikkim 365. But, yes, it's been a weird few weeks for the Baylor Bears, no doubt about it. Um, all right, let's get to what was the game of the week in the Big 12. It frankly wasn't a great bunch of games uh, this weekend. A lot of blowouts. Four of the five games were basically blowouts in the Big 12. This one was not. Texas beating Oklahoma State 41-34 to in overtime. And this is a classic game where Mike Gundy's got the better team and should have won. And instead, he lost. And according to a lot of reports, this win for Texas saved Tom Herman's job. Our Derek Duke had that report on our message boards. And by the way, if you're not on the heartlandcollegesports.com message boards, uh, get on there. They're free. It's a chance to interact with other Big 12 fans, talk some smack, build a community. We give away a $20 gift card every week to the best poster on our message board. So if you're not on the message boards right now at heartlandcollegesports.com, please do go sign up. It's free. It's a chance to talk to everybody involved with the site. It's a lot of fun. And once again, it's just a chance to bring Big 12 fans together and uh, continue to build our community at heartlandcollegesports.com. But it may have saved Tom Herman's job. But in the end, Mike Gundy and his team, they played better. They played better in this game than Texas. But what hurt them was the turnovers. The Cowboys lost the turnover battle 4 nothing, And the Cowboys' four turnovers gave Texas the ball on the Oklahoma State 15, the Oklahoma State 8, the Oklahoma State 20, and the Texas 41. You're not going to win a game like that. I mean, I don't care if you got the better team, but boy, you're going to have a tough time winning a game like that. And this game, to me, changed and turned on the Jamison touchdown return, a kickoff return for a touchdown that completely changed the momentum for the Texas Longhorns. That was the moment that changed the game uh, yesterday. That was it. The kickoff return for a touchdown, all of a sudden, it felt like momentum was in Texas's favor, and it basically was the rest of the way. Now, yes, there were some tough play calls. Not play calls, but tough uh, officiating calls that I'm sure... Oklahoma State fans are going to be talking about for a while. The roughing the kicker, instead of running into the kicker, running into the punter technically, that gave uh, Texas a first down when it was 4th and 22. The Dylan Stoner catch, no catch, that was a problem. And then the pass interference on 3rd down in overtime against Oklahoma State, they were all dicey calls. Uh, the kicker, I get it. You ran into the plant leg, but boy, is that really a roughing or is that a five-yard penalty versus a 15 and a first down? The Dylan Stoner catch, once again, I could see it going either way, but you called it a catch on the field. I don't know if there was enough to overturn it. And then the PI on third down, I know it looked like it, but it really did seem like the legs got tied up a little bit, and it wasn't true P.I. That's a tough spot to call that in. But either way, I, I, I don't like when a team or a fan base simply blames the officials when you also, as I mentioned, lost the turnover battle for nothing. 
Um, and let's be honest, Spencer Sanders had himself a, a tough game. The stat sheet won't show it. The box score won't show it. But I'll tell you right now, Spencer Sanders is the kind of guy where you feel like he can be great. And he makes plays that makes you think he's on the verge of greatness. But then, you know, he has these moments, these turnovers, these sloppy plays that make you feel otherwise. Um, on Facebook Live, Sanders is the biggest weakness at Oki State. Throws for tons of touchdowns, but also turns the ball over so much. I, I agree right now. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not saying you go to Shane Ellingworth, but you got to be sitting here and saying to yourself that, geez, I mean, if Oklahoma State just takes care of the ball, the defense played really well. People are going to say, oh, Texas scored 41 points. No, 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 no. The defense played well in this game. Texas had a kickoff return. One touchdown came in overtime, and then four turnovers gave the ball to the Longhorns. Three of them were inside the OSU 20-yard line. So the defense played well for Oklahoma State. It was not the defense's fault. I'm sorry. Um, it's just just not. And it's a tough spot, I understand, for Mike Gundy to be in uh, when he's the head coach. But Spencer Sanders, who I thought was going to really have himself a day and have his breakout performance, uh, he didn't have it. There were too many mistakes and too many issues in this game for the Oklahoma State Cowboys that have got to just be burning, burning Oklahoma State fans um, going down the rest of the way. Now, they've got a loss, so they were number six undefeated in the country. It's going to be tough for the Big 12 to make the college football playoff this year. Very tough. I'll talk more about that in the podcast that we drop in the middle of the week. But it is now going to be very difficult for the Big 12 to to make a run to the college football playoff. That being said, this Big 12 is wide open. And it is going to be so fun the rest of the way to see who's going to be playing for a Big 12 title uh, this year. And, of course, one of those teams hoping to play, hoping to play for a Big 12 title, the Oklahoma Sooners. Yes, they have a couple of Big 12 losses, but, boy, they are getting better every week, huh? Beating Texas Tech 62 to 28, and it could have been uh, 90 to 28 if they wanted it to be. And last week, I wrote on the website, I said, "Don't put this game in prime time. Don't do it." All right, I told Fox not to do it, and they decided to put this game in prime time, which was a mistake. Oh, it's Halloween in Lubbock. Oh, the ghosts are coming out. Stop. Texas Tech is not good. All right, and shame on me because I kept saying every week, hey, OU's getting better. They're getting better. They're a young group. They're going to continue to grow and improve and get better. And I bet against them against the spread each of the past two weeks. A bad job by me. Uh, They dominated Texas Tech start to finish. And you are seeing this team uh, grow with Spencer Rattler, of course, at quarterback, a redshirt freshman. I mean, this guy, and I think it was Tim Brando last night who pointed this out. But the, the zip that he's got on that ball when he's not stepping up in the pocket is in some ways Patrick Mahomes-esque. I mean, this guy's arm is, is so damn good. It is so damn good. Um, and I'm looking at it and I'm saying to myself, geez, for a redshirt freshman, two more years at least. Now, also, you have OU bringing back a couple of guys from suspension. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson in the backfield, and geez, that's a big old boy, huh? He led the nation last year in rushing yards per carry, and he is just a horse back there. And then you got Ronnie Perkins back on defense. These guys were suspended before the college football playoff game, getting their first action this year. Uh, on Periscope, Mundo couldn't wait to talk OU. I, whoa, 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 whoa. I, you know, I just got done with uh, uh, Oklahoma State and, and Texas. By the way, throw in your comments, Periscope, questions, Facebook Live, throw them in there. We'll get to them. 
All right, we're going to get to everything. All right, don't don't worry. We're getting all your stuff as much as we can here. But you got to say that that the growth growth for Spencer Rattler and this offense has been impressive. And frankly, both sides of the ball. And let's be honest, Henry Columbia, the quarterback for Texas Tech, making his second career start replacing Alan Bowen, he's not built for a game like this. Henry Columbia is not built for a game where he's got to dig out of a double-digit hole. I mean, this guy is um, hes serviceable if you're in the lead, right? Because what he's going to do is he's going to be able to get you five yards on the ground with his legs. He can get you on a quick slant route. But he's, he's not going to be the guy that's going to dig you out of a two-touchdown hole against Oklahoma. That's just not what he's made for. And frankly, I don't know. I just don't know what this offense is right now under Coach Yost and Coach Wells. I, I can't figure it out. It's year two, and it's not clear to me what they want to do on that side of the ball. And it's, it's you know, the defense. All these guys they got transfer in, right? They have a ton of grad transfers, guys that had played meaningful snaps at big programs, Arizona, uh, you know, other Pac-12 schools, SEC schools. They had some pretty good grad transfers, and they're just not working out. I mean, that side of the ball feels just as messy as it ever did under Cliff Kingsbury. It does. Uh, Speaking of that, Tim on Facebook Live, remember when Texas Tech fired Cliff Kingsbury? L-M-A-O, laughing my butt off. Uh, Yeah, and I, I at the time said that Texas Tech should not fire Cliff Kingsbury. I was a proponent of giving him an extra year. They didn't do it, and the Matt Wells experiment does not appear to be going well. There's no other way to spin it right now. I, we have a clear bottom tier in the Big 12 right now with KU, which is in its own stratosphere, but then you have Baylor and Tech kind of battling between you know 8 and 9, and, and that's where the drop-off uh, really is in the conference. There's an 8-9 in Baylor and Tech, or Tech and Baylor, whatever order you want it to be, and then another big drop-off to KU. But outside of that, you look at those top seven teams right now in the conference. Uh, let's go through them here. K-State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas, West Virginia. That's six. Who am I forgetting here at the top of my head? Um but, you know, you look at those teams and you say to yourself, okay, that's, that's, those are teams that can beat each other. Texas, of course. Uh, those are the teams that can beat each other on any given Saturday. But the rest of them, the other three, you're like, okay, there is a drop-off there, and that's something that should not be overlooked. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet, recapping what was, uh, you know, an okay week eight. We had one good game that went to overtime. The other four were basically blowouts, which stinks. But um, if you're on Facebook Live, if you're on Periscope, don't forget, go catch us on the podcast. We release podcasts middle of the week. Preview games, talk to guests from around the conference. We do that every single week. So go get us wherever you get your podcast. If you're on the podcast right now, leave us a rating, review, subscribe. We've got free Heartland College Sports koozies when you do that. Just send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. We'll get that koozie right in the mail for you. Uh, Pete, are we overreacting with the Tech loss? Tech beat West Virginia last week, and Tech almost beat Texas um, I understand what you're saying, and there's no doubt OU is getting better. That being said, uh, the West Virginia game last week, I thought the Mountaineers should have won, 
And the way that they lost the Texas game when they had a 99.8% chance of winning uh, is is still a, it's a bad loss. It is a bad, bad loss. Tim, let's be real about Oklahoma. They're not losing another regular season game. What about Texas? Can Texas do their part to get the Red River matchup in Arlington? So, yeah, if both those teams run the table, I believe it would be a Red River rivalry matchup or matchup again uh, in the in the Big 12 championship game. Texas and Oklahoma can play each other in the Big 12 title game if they both win out. I don't see Texas winning out. I, I just I don't. I don't see any way that Texas wins out. Um, I can't trust Tom Herman to win big games down the stretch for a full month. I, I can't. I, this team is so hot and cold. It is um, all over the map week to week. I, I do not trust Herman to rally his guys, especially when he's a big favorite. Tom Herman's good as an underdog. I'll give it to him. He's good as an underdog. He's not good in other situations. So I, I can't see Texas running the table right now. I picked Bedlam in a Big 12 title uh, matchup before the year, and I'm going to stand by Oklahoma and Oklahoma State playing each other in a Big 12 title game. So I'm going to stick with that pick for now. And don't forget as well, we're brought to you by mybookie.com. Use that promo code BIG12, BIG12, for a 100% sign-up bonus. And guess what? That helps us continue to grow the show, grow the site. You get to use the money, free play money, for college games, for NFL games, whatever you want. You put in 100 250 you get that amount of money right out of the gates with our promo code BIG12 at mybookie.com. All right, guys, we're going to scoot. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast as well. Take care, guys. We'll talk to you soon.